0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Bold Brands. This is Jeff Mergie from Bold Metrics. And we're excited to have another episode today where we'll be speaking to Julie Lee, the co-founder of Juliana Ray. Welcome to the show, Julie.
1: Thank you. Very excited to be here. And thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Our podcast, we really focus on innovative, digitally native apparel companies, as well as technologies that kind of propel those companies forward into the future. So definitely excited to have you on the show today. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how Juliana Ray came about and kind of what your role is there, what the team looks like, and just a little history on the company.
1: Sure. Um, we started the company, um, I'm going to say circa 2004, which is a long time ago and way before people were purchasing regularly online. But we started the company because there was a major uh, lingerie company called Victoria's Secrets. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they are they are a good size. Um, and um, there weren't a lot of other brands. Brands in that area that people knew about. So we said, okay, for those who feel like they've outgrown Victoria's Secrets, uh, because there is a huge group of people who uh, one would consider Victoria's Secrets graduates, we wanted to create a brand that would be able to accommodate those customers um, when they arrived at that point in their lives. Uh, And so that's what got us starting the company. And At that time, starting a company and brand and stores took a lot of capital. So after um, doing some research, doing some thoughts, you know, doing some projections as you do with any business model, we said, hey, there's this new component called internet shopping, albeit it's not huge yet, but Mm -hmm. this might be a way we can approach the business and be able to start it and get it going without a huge intensive capital infrastructure And uh, so my founder and I, we both come out of technology um, and I have a little bit of a design background. So we, you know, did the business plan. I decided that I did not know everything about a business, right? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Very few of us do, but my partner knew a lot about infrastructure, getting businesses up and running, things like that. So, and I knew a lot about the design side of it. Neither of us knew retail very well, but that actually was very helpful because in starting uh, e-commerce, you then start from the ground and learn as you go, and you don't have any built-in ideas of how the company should run the retail side. So you you run it, so you look at it as a business and run it as a business, um, versus saying we have a ton of legacy, okay, we have to have stores, okay, we have to design to these seasons. Um, So it uh, actually ended up not having a lot of retail experience, ended up being an asset for us. So the role I play is all the creative, I handle all the product design and development and all the touch points with our customers you know, such as the customer experience, such as the website and packaging. And then uh, my co-founder handles what I would consider all the infrastructure aspects of the company, such as operations, which includes marketing, warehouse, the fulfillment center, and the finances. Um, So we've come a long way since 2004. And thank goodness, People are actually shopping online. That that yeah. has really helped, and, and uh, That's fast you know, a, now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and that took a little longer to come to fruition than we probably originally planned. Right. You know, not everything happens exactly as you think. This was back in two thousand and four, and we were like, "Oh yeah, by two thousand and five, everyone will be shopping online." Uh, didn't quite happen that way, but um, you know, it it uh, now looks like everyone is shopping online.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's very interesting. You guys are definitely early uh, adopters into the e-commerce store. So I'm curious, like how many times have you kind of reiterated your approach to the website and the design and all that over these last like 16 years now?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, we've had to do it um, several times. I'm going to say we've done an entire redesign probably four times now a couple of reasons one is the technology has changed right Right. what you did way back when in 2004 2005 is so different than what you can do now with the Mm -hmm. technology um also we didn't have any um uh what's the right word we didn't have anything we could model ourselves after back in 2004 or at 2004 Most of the e-commerce companies were selling things with very definitive specs, like cell phones and electronics and, you know, phone plants, things like that, which, you know, as a luxury sleepwear company, that's not something you could model yourself after. Um, So we now have many more um, interesting examples that we can look at. And then the other thing we had to do when we first started is we were looking at e-commerce as the next generation of catalogs. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of modeling ourselves after an online catalog, call it. Um, and now okay. it's, it's very different. It's a much more interactive experience. And there's also the phone that you have to worry about, all the different device models that you have to look at. So we right. have had to do redesigns based on that. And, of course, speed has become an issue. And as you know, people have more broadband, you can fill it up with more Mm -hmm. photos um, and more places to go online and videos, things like that. So we have had to do several redesigns, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's all been good.
0: Yeah, that's great. Great to learn and iterate. Let's uh, talk about a little bit about the, so the customer base. So I'd love to hear kind of like your early adapters um, back in 04 and kind of how that customer base has changed or grown, or is it still the same customer? Like how yeah. how's that evolved?
1: Yeah, so um, it's an, uh, very interesting. It's an interesting question because um, in 2004, we did say we are going after the Victoria Secrets graduate, which tends to be a more accomplished, more established woman, probably in her late 30s, early 40s, 50s. And back in 2004, that customer was not shopping very much online. Um, nobody was shopping a lot online. Never mind your 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, you know, 60-year-olds. Um, and so we basically had to design to a younger customer uh, in order to get that, you know, convergence point of. Customers that could shop online at that time, you know, who were early adopters enough to shop at that time. So we did right. design for a younger customer because our uh, focus groups were reading that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we used younger models, did uh, styling that was more suited to the younger customer. But as time has gone on and people have gotten much more comfortable about shopping online, our customer base has moved to uh an older demographic so mm-hmm. a lot of 50 year olds a lot of 60 year olds even a lot of 70 year olds are now shopping right. um online so it's it's been great because we've been able to expand our customer base and make sure that we're you know we're still you know honing in on a key demographic but making sure that we can design to their lifestyles and how you know their fashion sense and their body fit
0: yeah great, kind of I guess moving along in chronological order here um, you know in 2008 you guys were in the midst of you know your business going strong and the recession hit mm-hmm. in 8 um, I'd love to hear how that impacted you and like what you did to innovate coming out of that
1: yeah that was that was a really really. Huge speed bump (laughs) Uh, because our company had just been getting off the ground. And at that time, we were doing incredibly well with hotels and resorts in the spa business, um, in spa wear and lounge wear, leisure wear. Um, And I don't know if you recall, one of the first things that happened in that 2008 recession is all... Large resorts shut down. They just had no customers. Right. Um, it was It was really interesting because it was almost like overnight. And at that time, businesses had huge um, lack of a better word, boondoggles, mm-hmm. where everyone was on you know, expense accounts, going to these hotels and buying a ton of this stuff because they could. Uh-huh. Uh, and when those customers disappeared, so did our business uh, yeah. in those air er- in those uh, you know in those areas. So, we pivoted as fast as we could, which of course in 2008 was, um, was tough. And that's when we focused, we went back to our knitting and focused much more on online internet direct-to-consumer business. So wow. that's how we had started. We had moved to um, the hotels and resorts because... They became such a huge business. Mm-hmm. You, know, you naturally go wherever the business gets big um, and then said, oh my gosh, this is not uh, going to be, th- this looks like it's going to be a tough avenue.
0: Right. And
1: we moved back to focusing online and direct to consumer and moving out of a lot of the spa wear, leisure wear items, focus much more on going back to sleepwear over the spa wear and leisure wear because the direct to consumer customer has a lot of options for leisure wear. Oh, yeah. But not as many options for sleepwear. Mm-hmm. So um, it sort of falls into our philosophy of always focusing on our customer. So when the spas and resorts were our customers, okay, fine, we were designing leisure wear. But going back to direct-to-consumer, again, focusing on that customer, we went uh, much more to the sleepwear mode.
0: Got it. I guess um, speaking of kind of bumps in the road, you know, we're in October of 2020 in the middle of COVID-19. How has this impacted your business? (laughs) um, I mean, I'm sure there's some interesting things that you've seen, but just love to know kind of every apparel company has been affected in one way or another. So
1: yeah, it's um it's it's been an interesting set of bumps. Now, let's not call it one bump of the road. Let's call it several bumps in the road. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, lucky for us, our business has been, has been doing incredibly well. Um at one point we all looked at each other and said has no one ever owned a pajama before Um, (laughs) because all of a sudden we are selling them like crazy um but i think what's happening is of course is everybody wants comfort Mm -hmm. everybody wants natural and that's the two things we definitely do we definitely do really comfortable natural fabrics Mm -hmm. um and i think we have one group that says to themselves hey i'm going to be spending more time at home I'm going to throw in some luxury, you know, I'm going to go and buy some, you know, buy a whole bunch of pajamas uh, because, you know, I need to feel better. Mm -hmm. And then we have the other group that says, hey, I've never had something like this before. These are trying times and I'm not spending money on going out. So why don't I splurge? Um, And they've been, you know, buying some of our pieces. And the good news is all of our pieces or most of our pieces, I should say, there are some that aren't most of our pieces are Zoom ready. So should you have to do a Zoom conference call, you can wear your pajama top and look like you're wearing a silk blouse. Uh, You can wear a lot of our camisoles that look like shirts, you know, and, um, you know, wear like a sweater over it or a blouse over it. Um, So there are lots of ways you can use our pieces to work for the work from home, you know, meetings that you have to do as well as just be super comfortable Mm -hmm. and lounge, you know, in them. Having said that, having said that, business is booming, we are having trouble getting supply in, getting uh, our stuff in. Mm-hmm. So that that's the flip side of it. So while it's great things are selling, we're mm-hmm. having trouble keeping stocked up just by simple measures that um, there aren't a lot of flights going out um, yeah. from different countries. And then, you know, our factories have to stay safe. So they're yeah. a little short-staffed as well. So that's that's been interesting because, you know, more than ever, we need stuff, but, you know, it's hard to get it. And then, of course, the last thing is we are straight e-commerce, so everything Mm -hmm. is mailed, sent by FedEx, sent by UPS. And, of course, that is um, trying as well, right? Every carrier is having its own issues. I'll say the good news is most of our customers are understanding about that. But, you know, for some customers, it's really hard not to have something that you want that you've spent a lot of money on and not get it when you thought you were going to get it. Right. So, uh, so, you know, we are spending a lot more time on customer service working through those issues. Yeah. So it, it's kind of interesting that it's impacted the business in literally almost every way in the input, yeah. the output, and then the post-servicing of customers because we're, you know, following up with the carriers and things like that.
0: How are you getting the the word out to these kind of, you call them, I guess, like triers, people that haven't really had this type of product in the past. Just curious on how you're marketing or how you're kind of acquiring those customers are you uh, touting zoom ready PJs or anything like that
1: we have been we have been we have been touting zoom ready pJs so that's been All good right. uh, we've you know we've been doing a lot of work from home type advertising. another interesting aspect of this whole pandemic was in the first few months of the pandemic because a lot of companies were not open a lot of stores weren't open they had cut back on their advertising their online advertising because they weren't open so it didn't make sense for them to be spending money we continued our advertising and the advertising rates dropped dramatically at those times and i think we just did really well with exposure in those times and at that time people were looking for more work from home type items So we did really well with that. And that got us some legs for the next few months. Um, So we had essentially a few weeks in the beginning of the pandemic. So call it back in, you know, March when Mm -hmm. people were trying to figure out what was going on. And then ever since then, we've just been doing really well.
0: Yeah. Cool. What kind of stuff do you guys do to kind of create a a personalized shopping experience, being you're just on e-commerce. Like, how do you make that experience personal for each?
1: So it's it's interesting. We that has always been a top priority for us ever since we started. Um, even back in 2004, when people weren't really online a lot, it was really important to us to create a really really good shopping experience. So that's something we've always paid a lot of time um, attention to. We've always optimized the flow mm-hmm. of how people get through the shopping experience always making it possible at every point for people to talk to us. So we do staff all our phones. We always have live contact with our customers. um, And whenever they need to reach out to us, there's always someone who answers. Okay, I admit sometimes at two in the morning, there isn't. But uh, generally, at the times people are shopping, we have always um, had people available to answer the phone. And that has been important. Of course, we know people can't try things on, they can't touch things. So one of the things we've always done is we've had this theory of, of bringing the dressing room to your home. So we've made it, uh, we've made the costs of shipping either free or had a flat cost, no matter how much you purchased. Uh, And we have a very generous return policy. So it makes it easy for them to try on a bunch of items, you know, do it in their own home where they have their own lighting, their own, you know, mirrors, things like that. And I think they've been very, very comfortable with that. And, um, you know, to that fact, our return policy has been incredibly low. Uh, And then the other thing we've done is we... You know, photographs are, of course, important, but we've also written the text so it makes them feel like they're shopping with a friend. It's always a very friendly uh, type of discussion that, you know, the descriptions are very friendly. Uh, And we did originally focus group this um, when we first started, and that is exactly what people said. It felt like they were shopping with their friends. So we know that's a big part of the shopping experience for people.
0: Very cool. Speaking of fit, how do you address the issues of fit? um, What's selling this type of product where it's very important, obviously to get the fit, right?
1: Absolutely. So that is something we've thought about a lot as well. And we use fit models with real body shapes. I've worked in this business for other companies as well. And uh, we, we used in other companies fit models that we thought our customers should be. Well, here, we say, all right, we're going to use fit models with real body shapes because we know there are all different types of body shapes. So we also don't use just one fit model. We use several fit models. Uh, and our items have to fit well on several different body types. Uh, and then the other thing we do is we don't use the industry standard for sizing, um, And what I mean by that is you can't have a fit model with every different size and build every different item. You have a fit model with a certain size. And then what the industry does is they say, okay, we're going to size up and size down proportionately. But Mm -hmm. we know people don't get bigger or smaller proportionately. So we literally – have an algorithm for every single size as we scale up and scale down. And for every style, we do a different one for every single one of them. Drives our, you know, production house is crazy, but that's how we think we get the fit to be right. We've got an idea of what we want it to look like on the person. Mm -hmm. And as we look at the different sizes, we change the proportion for every single size. Um,
0: So every product on your site, um, would have like kind of a unique size chart is what you're saying
1: it doesn't have a unique size chart but what it has is we actually size the item differently right so we we have an idea like we have we can't say every size large is going to be a different size large in other words, we, our size chart says it fits these measurements, mm-hmm. right? And we can't assume that if you're size large for this product, your measurements will then change for a size large for the next product. What we do do, though, is we say to ourselves, how do we want this to drape on people of this size? How do we want this particular style to drape on people of this size? Even though it looks fabulous on the model, mm-hmm. uh, it's, go- it's going to drape differently depending on how we've designed it on the different sizes. Some things are meant to fit looser, some things are meant to fit tighter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we then change the sizing, change the actual measurements of the item for every single size as we size up and as we size down.
0: It. So it
1: has the fit that we're envisioning. And then we put information on the actual product that says, okay, this is going to be a close fit. This is going to be a loose fit. This is going to be a relaxed fit. This is going to be a classic fit. Got so it. the customer can make an educated decision on whether that makes sense for them, given their own concept of their body. Got it. Now we know that there's lots of um, fit, fit products and software out there and in the past we had uh, spoken with some of them and found that um, the customer had to do a huge research project in order to enable it to work but it looks like you know today and and bold metrics they may have a better and more user-friendly answer to that so you know it looks like it's something interesting that that we should look at in the future
0: yeah definitely excited about that yeah i'd like to I guess always kind of end with some questions around just um, things that you've learned, right? Uh, so yeah. you've been at, you've been at this for a long time and love to have you kind of share some of your lessons learned from running and growing Juliana Ray from, you know, 2004 to today in 2020. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> one of them is, well, and, and Some of it is, of course, specific to our company. Some of it's probably, you know, more general to a company, you know, to a larger company. But um, I would say one of the important things for starting a company is you have to get really good partners, and that is essential because you want you want partners that have complementary skills. If you and your partners are all good at the same thing, then you're probably going to do a lot of second guessing of each other and a lot of trying to decide whose idea is the best on that same topic. All right. One of the things we did at Juliana Rays, we had very, very complimentary partners where I knew, you know, product and design and my other co-founder knew infrastructure. So mm-hmm. we we filled in gaps, which was really, really important to getting this started. And we spent our time doing what we thought was important, and not spending a lot of time saying, "Okay, are you doing this right? Are you doing that right?" Right? We didn't second guess each other. We just said, "Okay, we're going to trust each other and move forward." But that only works if you've got partners with complementary skill sets. Um, so that was really important. Like the best advice I could give to anybody who is starting up a company. But uh, you know, going forward, it was for us. It was staying really, really flexible. Because as you have pointed out, there have been lots of speed bumps and if you don't stay flexible, if you stay completely married to what you set out to do, you're going to have a really, really hard time. We've had to pivot several times and by staying flexible, that really helped us stay in business and grow. And the other thing for us has been keeping laser, laser focused on our customer. Um, and that customer may change, but as long as you stay focused on them and not on yourself, right? If you stay focused on the customer, you will definitely be able to, you know, create the product that they want because at the end of the day, no matter how well you market, if your product doesn't live up to it, you will not get to keep that customer. You will not get new customers, et cetera. I mean, one of our saving graces has been repeat customers, We make a product that they love and they keep coming back. And that is wonderful, especially in times of, you know, recession. Right. They keep coming back. Uh, They end up being and, you know, they end up helping you grow as well because they tell their friends, you know, word of mouth is one of the best things you can get. So that has been incredibly important. And then, you know, lastly, I would say. it's, It's tough, but you want great vendors and great employees. And because you want to be able to rely on them. If Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't grow, right? If you've always, if you always are worried about what they're going to do, if you're, if you don't empower them to make decisions, then you're just not going to be able to grow because you have to make all the decisions. You have to watch everything. You want to be able to depend on other or rely on other partners and employees because right. that will just make what you do and what you can focus on much more strategic and much more growth oriented. Uh, so that has, that has been really, really important to us. And I, and I think important to grow as a company.
0: Great. Well, thanks so much for sharing all that. I think it's great you guys are doing so well in these tough times and definitely have enjoyed the conversation and looking forward to working together more. Thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast and share your story with our listeners.
1: No, and thank you very much. This is really fun. And I look forward to uh, hopefully some light at the end of this tunnel. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a good, (laughs) good thing to look forward to. Thanks so much again, Julie. And thanks everybody for listening to another episode of Full Grants.
1: Great. Thank you. Have a great day.